Hello and welcome back to the Sunday Podcast presented by SportsShoes.com. I'm Ollie Lum. And I'm Matt Seddon. We are back for season three and it's going to be a good one. With the aim of raising the profile of British distance running, we're bringing you more content than ever. Every week we'll give you insights into the lives and training of some of the UK's top athletes and coaches. As well as all the latest updates from the races up and down the country and around the world. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcast streaming platforms. Keep a lookout for our new YouTube channel too, where we're posting workout videos, shoe reviews and much more. Stay up to date by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Sunday Podcast. And if you want to drop us a line, send us an email to info at sundaypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Right, guys, here we are. European Cross Country Week. Um, it's come up quick, as always. Um, set to be exciting again. We knew the team um, before, obviously, from Liverpool for the GB side of things. Today, we're going to run through all the GB runners and the rest of Europe as well. Um, just a note on that, obviously, for our main episode on the weekend, we're back for season three. Rory Leonard for episode one of the new season, episode 101 overall. Um, so check that out because he's representing GB for the under-23s. Matt, though, are you excited? Super excited. And yeah, on Rory Leonard, you know, quite an interesting guest, quite a, quite a topical guest considering, you know, how he got selected. Um, chose not to come back for Liverpool. Still got selected, pushing out um, Jacob Khan and I think Dave Malarkey of those year under 23 spots as well. The latter, in fact, Malaki, we just saw he got signed for FSU. Always a soft spot in our hearts. So uh, congratulations to him um, going out there as well. But but yeah, so Leonard, you know, he did have some great things to say about the NCAA. Let's not forget, you know, he lost his team at Oklahoma State, lost that title by one point. So he kind of, on oh no, an equal points on yeah, the tiebreaker. Yeah, point. So he broke down the whole, you know, that, like what that was like training at Oklahoma State and and, and all that. So um, a great guest and what his aspirations are heading into Eurocross and the future as well. So, but yeah, man, I'm very good. Me and you crushed a workout today. So I'm quite happy. Nice Tuesday evening. Um, We'll probably watch Portugal later tonight as well. So um, yes, all good here, man. Let's, let's crack on. Yeah, let's crack on. And I think um, we'll start just reiterating the, the GB teams for the seniors. Uh, we will focus on the seniors today because I think it's just a bit of a minefield going through the under-23s and the under-20s as well. I'm sure there'll be some honourable mentions, though. Um, but in terms of the British team, on the men's side, Emil Caress, Hugo Milner, Mark Scott, Jack Rowe, Mohamed Mohamed and Ben Connor. Then on the women's, we've got Jess Warner-Judd, Abby Donnelly, Jess Gibbon, Carrie Hughes, Amy Eloise Markov and Poppy Tank. Yeah, super. Two, uh, you know, strong teams, to be honest with you. Um, I'll be interested to see. I know a few of those girls are world class, but you know the likes of Markov is she at her best? You know that track form. Um, you know you could argue she's definitely not. Um, I think just Jess Judd. You know how she gonna fare as well? And I think so. It's gonna be exciting to see what that women's team can do. Um, you know how they can feature. And I think on the men's side as well, you know, I'm just you know the way I see it, Mark Scott's gonna be a better runner than what he was two weeks ago. Jack Rowe's going to be a better runner than what he was two weeks ago. Mohamed Mohamed, Ben Connor, and even Emil Caress. You know, all these guys, I feel like they're at a point in their training where they're building. Um, and the, the likes of Emil and Rowe, they'd come off, and Mohamed even, they'd come off the back of that, you know, really hard Valencia half, which I know, for example, Rowe found hard and Mohamed found hard. Emil ran well, but there's no doubt he would have had fatigue in his legs coming off the back of it. So, you know, I think a lot of them, Liverpool came. Um, they got the job done, but I think especially on our men's side, there's defo eyes on what can they do on a European stage. And I think it's been a few years now, you know, since the like of Hawkins and Bouchard actually got up there and competed 
for those medals. It's been a few years since we've took home a medal um, or even kind of featured amongst that kind of top pack, that top five, that top 10. So can our Brits, can they do that? Can they compete? Um, I'm pretty sure a few of them can, um, especially on that men's side as well. So quite excited. Do you think what would be, what would be a successful European championships for us you know if we consider last year what was was Nesbitt our first woman home in 10th and our first man home is uh, Jess Job was fourth for the sorry women. Jess Job was oh sorry I do apologize yes yeah, so you know she was she was up there competing um but on the men's side you know what would be successful considering last year yeah. you know our first man was outside the top 20 was that yeah and Jack Rowe as well was our first I think man so, yeah 2026 and that's what I think interesting as well though is that Rose, the only returner for the men, whereas on the women's side, um, Jess Chard, Abby Donnelly and Jess Gibbon all competed last year mm-hmm. um, and definitely team medal, maybe even won the team title. Apologies for my memory on that. but um, yeah, I, 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 I want to say they only take three scorers as well, which I think is a pretty crazy. Um, yeah. They definitely so, did that in the younger races. I'm not, I'm not sure about the seniors. Yeah, so I think, I think definitely um, team medals. For sure, has that's always a minimum at European Cross. Um, is you get a team medal, if not the kind of the silver, the silver and the gold. Um, and I think I think if we came away with one individual medal in the seniors, potentially two, and and, and, then, and then two team medals, I think that's an excellent chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would say you know two two individual medals would be a huge result. You know, yeah, two would be huge. I think one's still very good, um, and, and definitely two team medals. Yeah, I'd agree with that, man. I think I think we're at that level. We've got the caliber, you know, um, you know the likes of Emil. He's he's one of Europe's. You know, if he, he puts himself up against those guys over half, he's one of the quicker guys in the field. You know, Mark Scott as well. So. So I think so. Um, do you think uh, they will finish in the order they finished at uh, Liverpool Cross? Because it's always interesting to see. I mean, I think the only one for me who could uh, bump up a lot, obviously, is Mark Scott. You know, I, you know, I would probably still back him to be first Brit home. Maybe I'm putting a bit of disrespect on Emil's name, but see, I, I said, <laughs> I think I said in the preview for Liverpool that I thought Mark Scott would be third and then our first back in Euros mm-hmm. I think having watched a meal um, I think Mark will definitely have improved um, but I think a meal is going to be first home for the man and then Mark second uh, but I think they could both they'll both be going for a medal and potentially um, one of them if not two of them could get it if they have a good run on the day um, I think on the women's side I think Jess Judd still um, by far and away the best as she, as she showed at Liverpool and I think that would be the same at Euros um, and I think she's probably the only one in the, on the women's side that could have a crack at those medals yeah agreed with that my man God she is so good so consistent is gesture kind of just whenever she turns up she delivers um, but look let's talk about you know who else is in the race from a European perspective um, you know, I'll run you through the men. I just picked out a few notable names um, on the entries. One notable name that was not on the entries is Jimmy Gressier. And I thought that was quite interesting. He has had a passion for cross country over many years. Um, he wasn't on the entries from what I saw. So we can only assume that he's not going to be running. Um, yeah, so that was kind of a big name not doing it, which I kind of think favors, you know, some of our guys definitely because, uh, you know, I forget where he was last year. I want to say third or fourth, but, you know, he was definitely 
definitely up there for quite a bit. But you've got Jakob Ingebrigtsen um, running. Both his brothers are actually running as well, Philip and Henrik. Can't imagine those two will feature, but I just thought it was interesting. They were kind of back in that Norwegian team. Aris Kaya, of course. I mean, I think Ingebrigtsen licks his chops when Kaya runs because basically just squeezes another lap out of him. He says, come on, Kaya, keep pushing for me. Keep pushing. Let's drop these guys. <laughs> so um, so Kaya's in it. Um, who else have we got? We've got Mike Foppen. Obviously, the big one for me, Cripper. He's probably the biggest contender uh, to Jakob if, we, if he's in that form he was in the summer. Um, Carlos Mayo, the Spaniard. He's got an incredible quick half marathon time under him. Um, and Dooney of France. Now, he's an interesting prospect. Went to the roads last year, 205 marathon man. And 27-20 on the track. Do you remember in, in Birmingham at the university when they had the European 10K there? Um, what, during COVID or I think it might have been 2021. But, you know, he last year, well, earlier this year in Paris, April, ran the, ran the European record of 205 for the marathon. Um, and, you know, I think he could be a threat to Ingebrigtsen just with that strength so you know and then obviously Isaac Camelli of Belgium as well so they're your big names someone you love Lum as well we better mention him Brian Fay, huge performance off the back of NCAAs 13-16 in Boston the other night he's obviously in the Eurocross as well he was 10th last year you know can he get amongst it this year as well yeah, and I think you you mentioned I'm a big fan of Brian Fair, and I think he just he just steps up to the occasion. Obviously, last year um, it was in his hometown, his backyard in, in Ireland, but um, I think I think again this year he where did he come at NCAs last year? I think I believe he just got All American, like maybe scraped it. Whereas yeah, this year he's and then stepped up to ten for Eurocross. This year he's um, he's finished thirteenth, I believe. Um, and then run an Irish record indoors over 5k, and then he's coming into it. So, I think in terms of shape, he, he's better shape than last year, but it's just whether he gets that boost that he got last year, definitely with that home crowd. Um, but I think last year as well, what was so impressive, I mean, he moved through the field so well, his judges' effort, um, and, and it was excellent because I think, I think we've said it before, it's tough to, to get those medals. Because and obviously it's tough to get those medals, but I think because there's there's too many good guys and the same on the women's side to, to let them go, yeah. whereas to get those sort of maybe eighth, seventh, eighth positions, if you just judge your race really well, you can take out a lot of the people aiming for the top three who blow up. Yeah, I think we actually saw that last year, didn't we? I mean, it was quite a big pack early, and and Jakob took a few people with him, um, and so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, on that as well, can anyone beat Jakob? I just don't think so, you know. And you know what I love about Jakob actually is the fact that he never changes his plans. You know, a lot of pros, you know, he just churns out the same routine every year. You can almost, you know, bank on where he's going to be at certain times. Yeah, you bet your life he's going to go to European indoors because that's what he does every year. He does a mini cross season, an indoor season, you know, and then a track season. And I just, you know, credit to him how he's able to come out stay motivated and just do the same thing, you know, every single year. So, you yeah. know, in your life, he's going to turn up in good shape. And I think, you know, you would put the gold around his neck probably even now before the race has even started, you know? Mm. Yeah. And I think, like you say, it is quite a repetitive schedule, but at the same time, he's a, he's a big, uh, big race athlete. He goes to all the champs and he, and he makes sure he wins those medals rather than just 
picking and choosing so much. If there's a champs on and he can get in that Norway vest, you bet you he's going to be there and um, and win a title for them. So I think you've got, got to agree. Um, I think like like you said earlier or alluded to, I think Kripper probably one of the best to, to kind of take him on. I think obviously he ran so well in the summer and I think after last year's Eurocross where he, I think he was very disappointed. He had some stomach issues, um, but also went with Jakob's ridiculous pace. I think he wants a bit of, um, a bit of payback, I think. Um, so definitely to get in and amongst the medals, if not um, fight Jakob. Because we did see in the summer, he's he's not unbeatable, but um, it's a different story over those longer distances, I think, especially on the cross. Like strength is strength in a way. Mm. Yeah, and I think obviously there's less, I don't know, yeah, there's less margin. For, um, sorry, there's a bit more kind of margin for error. Training can be a bit relaxed because like you say, yeah, strength is strength, fitness is fitness this time of year. And, you know, it's not like you really have to fine tune to get that real kind of peak performance. Um, just looking at, you know, the way he trains. Um, so I think, yeah, he's definitely going to come into it fit and healthy. Looks like he's been up at altitude as well, like always. So I'd agree with that, man. One guy who we haven't really mentioned is Moketeer. Do we think we know what he can do over the 5K? He's an incredible runner. Look, credible 1500 meter man. Can we see him competing um you know you could put him as one of the favorites something just tells me that he's not going to enjoy the mud um yeah. and he's and he just won't quite enjoy it i, I don't know why um because i don't know why i'd write him off considering his track you know pedigree and sometimes the way he runs his track races are a little erratic comes you know dies then comes from far back like battles hard all the way so i don't think you could argue that he's kind of a one of these really kind of gutsy runners but i don't know i just I'm not sure about him competing on the cross. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think in terms of like the Spanish, the Spanish guys, I think um, Mayo's by far and away their best shot. Um, I just and again, I don't know what it is. I, I'm not sure, but maybe it's that unknown as well. I think unless you're the caliber of Ingebrigtsen, I think you need cross country pedigree to do well at these events. I think cross country is a leveler in in a certain way. Mm. Um, but if you're Ingebrigtsen I think it's not a leveller and mm. then for everyone else I do think you need a bit of cross pedigree because because they're yeah. also close yeah. they're close enough anyway their track times like we saw like how kind of Hugo Milner beat Mark Scott yeah at Liverpool and I'm not saying the conditions are going to be as muddy and things but that's that's a massive difference that's a way bigger difference than say um, even Brian Fay than um and um, lost my names now. Who are we talking about? Katir. <laughs> if if I, like Brian Fay versus Katir over five k on the track is, I'd say no disrespect to Hugo Milner. It's just as different as Hugo Milner versus Mark Scott. Um, so I think the yeah the room for error for someone like Katir, unless he's a, he might be maybe he's a proven cross country runner. We don't know his history, but. Um, mm. Yeah, no, it is going to be his first time at the Eurocross, to be fair as well, which, you know, makes me think he hasn't done much cross, you know, throughout his kind of, you know, journey so far. So he is going to be a bit of an interesting prospect. What can he do? Do you know, do you know if he qualified from Spanish champs or did he? Um, yeah, you know what? I couldn't. Yeah, I only presume he did. But, you know, I actually didn't go back and check, you know, Spanish results, to be fair. Um but yeah, I totally agree. It is so horses for courses, this cross country, man. Like it depends on the day. Um, it depends on the course. And there can be big swings either way, good or bad, um, providing on the course. So so yeah, that's that's pretty much a men's race. Let's just finish up top three. 
I'm just going to go out there and say, yeah, it's going to be Jakob Ingebrigtsen. And if Andouni's in shape, I think Andouni's going to be up there. And I think Yamani Kripa as well. So I think they're going to be a top three. So I'll just say Ingebrigtsen, Kripa and Andouni. That's your top three in, in, in that order. Obviously, gold, silver, bronze, mate. What about yourself? Uh, Ingram Britson, Emil Caress, and Mark Scott. There we go. Back the boys. Uh, I, 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 um, maybe that's a. I, I often do these like hopeful predictions because I'd love to see Britson do do well. Obviously, I think perhaps if if they have not completely judged efforts because you have to go with it a bit. But I think if if Ingram Britson could take take a bit out of Cripper and um and and Mayo and the likes mm-hmm. of Dooney as well, um, I think it'd be it'd be great to see them get right up there. And I, I just. I think you mentioned it earlier, picturing back to Hawkins and Butchart, really taking it to people. I just love to see um, some British vests up at the front there. See that, yeah, see, that's the mad thing. Like Ingebrigtsen last year, you know, a few laps to go. Like I know Kaya pushed on, but he was the one driving the pace. Mm. Um, and he was the one dropping people. And, you know, you know, surely he can't do that every, you know, what happens if he's having a bit of an off day? He may just like sit in and if he sit, sits in a little bit, that's going to change the whole race. So, I'd love for him to sit in a bit and then see what some of our guys push it on. I'm not sure. I mean, Emil potentially might push it on. I mean, obviously he pushed it on at Liverpool. It depends on the ground as well. Because I know I saw Emil's interview afterwards and he was saying about um, he didn't feel that comfortable in the mud. Um, yeah. Whereas we know on the road, he's... Mate, I swear all our guys say they're not comfortable in the mud. They are probably some of the best mud runners, you know. Um do you know what I mean? You know, Mills. No, still... but we'd say Mohammed's our best mud runner for no, sure. No, no, see, Mohammed, looking at our national cross. And... Yeah, but I would say that's more of a that's more of a like really soggy, sucky mud, like that kind of farmer's field mud, which like sticks to you and and you sink every step. That's where Mohammed's amazing. Um, you know, that mud at Liverpool was like a sort of skippy, slippy mud, mm. uh, where like yes, it was annoying that I guess your foot placing might skid out a little bit, and but mate, it wasn't wasn't really sapping and not only sapping but i think when you look at particularly emil like how efficient he is on the road oh for sure it's it's, it's not that it's not that he's bad on the mud no 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 i feel like if i was like imagine to how he feels when he's running it must be so different to how efficient he feels sure man when we see how much metronome he is for sure but i think everyone that happens to everyone in the mud you know and mm. I think, um, you know, I think our boys are good in the mud. And look, if we, they turn up, you know, Jack Rowe, you know, he's got pedigree from, you know, junior championships and and whatnot in, in filthy mud as well. You know, he's come through the National Cross. They all have Mark mm-hmm. Scott, Milner, Mill, Mohammed, and Connor. Like, you know, Connor's amazing in mud. If it's yeah. muddy, I actually think that favours our boys um, out of everyone, out of all those Europeans. Those Europeans don't quite, have, you know, they don't have... I think it does for a depth-wise to, like, win a team title. I, but this is what I'm saying again with like getting medals. I mean, that's where just the, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, it'll be super interesting. And, and it, will, it will, it will be. Yeah, it will be. I mean, you know, we, you know, Eurocross has never really ever been too muddy. I can't really picture it ever muddy. So I think it does always, you know, Jakob, you know, loves it. Cripper loves it. You know, those guys always, always kind of love it. So mm. it'll be interesting, man. So yeah, that's, that's your picks. Fair enough. Back in the boys. Um, I'm sure they'll thank you for it. <laughs> so yeah, on to on, on to the women's man. Look, you know, you you mentioned the women's team earlier. Um, we know Jess Job was fourth last year. Who's she up against? 
obviously Costa Halfen, um, still just 25, feels like she's been around for absolutely ever. Um, what, 14.30 this year? He won the 5K in Munich. So, you know, if she's anywhere near that kind of shape or, you know, bouncing off the back of that shape, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with a Euro cross. Kira McGeehan, someone who I saw on the entries and my eyes kind of lit up because I, I was like, man, I haven't seen much from you lately. Um, I know she even took herself off social media a little bit as well because off the back of her, her track season, um, all sorts of disputes, people kind of like, you know, what do you call those nasty people who sort of, Trolls. What is trolls? Trolls. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Trolls, I, I, you know, yeah people, I, I know people. um because there was talk about her doing the relay as well. Or like instead. So oh. I'm not sure. Well she was in the she was in the senior women AK cross entries. Mm. Which are separate entries to the short course. Yeah. Uh, to the relay, sorry. So yeah, I mean, what are we gonna see from her? You know, can she compete over eight K cross? Um because it's interesting because if Laura, you know, I always think, you know, she's she obviously ran 356, great shape um, towards the end of the summer. But, you know, if Laura Muir did this race, we would fully be expecting her to be top three, you know, fully. Um, yeah. Given like her 5K, her 1500, how she is on a world-class level, the competitor she is. So, you know, I know maybe, yeah, I know McGee and beat her that once. She's probably not quite the level Muir is, but still 356, incredible season. Um, really came good towards the end of it. You know, she, you know, will we see her kind of top three, top five? Who knows? Um, obviously, I, I think she she obviously ran the the long course at the the Irish Trials, um, finished second or third, I believe. So I think she's definitely she's obviously proven that she she should be in the team. But it just I think I think some of these some of these girls are just too too good. You think too good? Um, and McGeehan's a strong runner. She's not just a a, a pure eight fifteen runner. But um, I think it might be too hard. And speaking of people who he talks about being almost synonymous with the cross country, obviously Grovdale won last year. Mm. Um, and whilst her track times are impressive in comparison to how impressive she looked on the cross country last year, that they're, they're nowhere near as um, as good. Yeah, but you know, she had a good track season before she got injured, and. I kind of checked her out because I was like, how's her shape looking? You know, she dipped below 15 in a 5K in October, 31 minute 10K at the end of October. So she's getting into pretty good shape, man. No, I'm saying I think she'll do well. I mean, but yeah, I, I think she's looking like she's shaping up into similar shape she was in last year, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. So I think she's probably going to take that one. I think she's going to be hard to beat, even for Klosterhalfen. Um, yeah. Klosterhalfen is a weird one because I always thought Klosterhalfen was like this, like, 5k 10k girl huge strength but she does struggle on the 10k a little bit um you know but she ran a terrific half marathon not so long ago so you know i think she clearly is strong <laughs> um yeah it's, it's interesting isn't it how you can be almost a 5k and a half person i think the thing about the 10k is on the world stage it's just not much slower than the 5k yeah i think at right. all whereas the half is obviously it's not load slower but relatively yeah. Whereas the 5K, 10K differential is not much at all. So I think it does suit certain athletes in terms of how they, I guess, how they react to that ever so slight change in You're pace. talking about like 20 seconds off your 5K PB, you know, and that's easy to run slower than because if you're having an off day. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, you're if, yeah, if you're having an off day in your 5k, you could easily be more than 20 seconds off your PB, you know. So it's a now that's when you're running PB pace rather than right, yeah. just getting taken through in some silly time or yeah. a few laps here and there. So that's it. Um, yeah, so obviously, Grovdale, I mean, I will, I will, you know, put her as the winner, um, for sure in my predictions. Um, Yasmin Khan, of course, four time Euro cross champ, won the 10k this summer in Munich. And, uh, you know, I think she will contend Grovdale, but, you know, I think Grovdale won it last year, backing her. She's in form. She kind of knows what she's doing now. And if anything, you know, coming off that injury in the summer, she's probably started training for this a little bit earlier than perhaps she even would have, like, you know, so, yeah, um, definitely can't come second. And then, obviously, uh, and then there's um, Teferi of Salam Teferi of Israel, and she ran a 68 half not too recently. So, um you know, I think she will be a uh, one to contend as well. They were kind of my kind of picks in the women's race, you know, as alongside obviously our Brits and Jessard. But but yeah, Lum. To be fair, you know, looking at that field, you know, you are thinking yes, Grovdale may run away, Khan may run away. But, but Khan you know, was poor last year. Yeah, it was surprised me so much in the somehow. Well, she and obviously it's this is completely different time of year, but she was. I, I think she was outside. She was outside the top ten last year. Um, you so just never know what you're going to get. There's no guarantee, is there? Um, whereas with someone like Jess Yard, I mean, there is a guarantee. I think what makes Eurocross so interesting as well is people run on the roads. Yes, they 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 post a good little time on the roads, maybe in October, November time. But there's no there's no form book. No, we, you know what what can we gauge from? You know, for example, look at McGee like, what can we gauge from a second or third place at, at the RS Champs or across that? You, you know, someone winning their champs. You know, Italian champs, French champs. What what can we gauge from that? Not much at all. We don't know the ins and outs of the French running scene, the Italian running scene. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's interesting about cross country. You never know what the course is like, you know, what the gaps are worth. And um, all we know really is how the Brits are running. But even then, we only know how they're running compared to each other. So and also how they're running when they race, because we still don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. Yeah. Because I bet you Mark Scott's week for Liverpool was still massive. In terms of like mileage. Potentially saying, yeah, potentially um, saying. Yeah. yeah. And, and and that is what is so interesting for us, but also I think interesting for the athletes preparing. Because in the summer, you go into track races and they're studying everyone else in their race. They know exactly what they've been doing all summer. They're working okay. with their coaches. Especially yeah. someone like Mark Scott, like um, not just just bring him up the whole time, but Jerry Schumacher, like when he comes into his track season, would have been talking to Mark Scott about every single other run and every race they've done. Mm. Right now, they they don't really have a clue either going into it and knowing how they're going to race. Well, Mark Scott, you know, he even said he's not going to look into, you know, pre Liverpool when we caught up with him. He wasn't even going to look into what other Brits were doing, you know, race-wise, training-wise, because, you know, it is almost irrelevant when you get on that start line on that day. So I think it'll be interesting. It's a hard one to call. Um, should we talk about, I mean, let's just get our women predictions in quick. Um, so I'm going to go Grovdow. Grovdow, Klosterhaufen, Judd. We can agree on one. Are you going to go the same? Yeah, I was going to say the same. Um, maybe, maybe even Cluster Halfen to win for me. May I'll, I'll go different. I'll go Cluster Halfen, Grovdow, and um, and Jess Judd. I think watching her win that title in the summer, mm. I think it almost took her to another 
another level. I think she's always been there. And I know it's a Europeans and we're talking about um, someone who's like world-class in terms of their times. But I think sometimes for athletes, winning a title like that, especially on home soil, really like takes you up a notch. Yeah. And I think that potentially could be the case for um for Klosterhausen. Yeah. Fair enough, man. The course, we don't know too much about it. We know it's a lap course. We know there's going to be a quite a big hill in it, you know, an element of climb. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, how that's going to fare. And also, you know, I think we briefly spoke about it as well. They're going to run them through, you know, there's going to be a lot of AstroTurf laid down. They're going to run them through that marble, marble floored house. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. City Hall or something like that. Not house. Yeah, yeah. City Hall or something like that. So it's, one thing's for sure, it's going to be a super interesting course. And I think a lot of people are going to compare it to Dublin last year, um, and whether it will be a success or not. So I think that's going to be an interesting take as well, but um, see what the crowd and staff are saying as well. But of course, Sunday, the 11th of December, Lum, to finish off our kind of Eurocross preview, I'm going to give you a little quiz. Play along at home. We're going to give the answers shortly after as well, so you can just play along at home. But Lum, the Eurocross has been going since 1994, well, as far as I could see. Um, and I'm going to ask you, should be a relatively easy one. Let's see how much you know. Most wins... At the Eurocross, who's got the most wins at the Eurocross, male or female? See, I know the answer, but I don't know his name. Chris, you... Chris Barnes was <laughs> all over his um, Instagram the other day, and he's Ukrainian. Ukrainian guy, yeah, uh, you can... yeah, fair enough, man. Describe him. I apologize, I, I I can't remember his name. How many how many wins has he got? He got six titles. Wrong. He got he's got nine titles. Sergey Lebed um kind of just dominated through the I think his first title actually was just before nineteen ninety eight. Dominated all through the two thousand. There you well. go. We're we're born in ninety six, Matt. So you can't. Make yeah. It. So there was a couple years. Couple years. I remember watching him. To be fair, but then again, you know, I was a I was a nerd even from eight years old. But yeah. So Sergey Lebed nine titles. He's got the most wins at the Eurocross. Um. Next question, mate. How many times did the GB man won the Eurocross? Uh. Twice. Correct. Can you tell me who? Farah. Yep. And someone else that wasn't Farah. <laughs> yeah, Farah and John Brown. Well done, mate. Quite good. Yeah. So, you know, when we were saying what's the successful champs, in my head, I was thinking only f- we've only won it. You know, we've only had two men win the Eurocross. And obviously, one was Mike Farah and one was John Brown. And you know, we know how good them two were. So it kind of shows you how maybe how hard it is to win. Um, so, and then, yeah, next question, exactly the same, but on the women's side, how many times has a GB woman won the Eurocross? Um, now you're testing me. Um, Paula's won two. Well done. I don't know who else would have won, but I'm sure, I'm sure someone else has. Yes, Paul has won two, man. We've won five in total. Oh, uh, yelling and Gemma Steele, man. Ah, Gemma Steele. Yeah, I should have known that one. Okay, that's yeah, that's Paul. Yeah, okay. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, because she was fairly recent actually. 2014 was yeah, the last. Time I remember that. She that's she it. was someone who was ridiculously good at Liverpool. She actually ran this year as well. Um, 
Yeah, she wasn't far off qualifying as well. Yeah, like, like considering. Um, but she was always, yeah, r- ridiculous at Liverpool over the years in terms of making that team. Yeah. Yeah, she she was indeed. Um, and that's that brings up that's your three questions. Your quiz is done. Well so done. How many points do I get? None. Well, yeah, I don't know. not really any. Oh, but... well, I got the I got the, the number right. For the I guess you got a lot of half points. You know, there was more than one answer to give on most of those questions. Okay. So, um, and I hope you all enjoyed that if you're playing along at home. But moving on, mate, we we can't not. You know, just quickly, we should probably mention. Um, well, actually, let's mention Boston indoors first because obviously we've mentioned Brian Fay. 13-16, man. He ran a 26 last 200. This guy just pulls it out of the bag at the end of... I mean, pretty sure every 5K he's ever done, I'm pretty sure he's closed and sub two every time. So, you know, he finds something in, you know, that last, you know, K, last 800 of the race, especially the last lap. But there were... Yeah, I, I woke up Sunday morning and I saw these times again. And, you know, we know Boston's quick. And in my head, I was thinking, Christ almighty, if people are running 13-11, 13-16 now... What is that Boston in February going to look like when <laughs> the Bowmers turn up and they're running to? Yeah, it's going to be stupid, man. And surely a lot of Brits are thinking to themselves, you know, Neil Gawley ran 13 16. Now he's a very good runner. You know, his personal best before that was 13 34, something like that, you know, which he ran again indoors last year. A very good runner. Surely some of our British 5K men are thinking Boston. I think it's the Valentine meet, they call it, you know, in February. They're thinking we got to get out there, man, because, you know, that race, you know, Kai Robinson won it in 13-11. You had two NAU guys, Nico Young, Drew Bosley. I know they ran the NCAAs a couple of weeks earlier. They're pacing it out. I mean, you know, I mean, Charlie Wheeler, man, your mate Lum, he ran 13-34. You know, what can, what can people like Emil, and they're going to need races like that. But you got to remember... I don't think I would if I'd him because you, you we can run uh, road races now. <laughs> so I'd just go to one of these 4.8K somewhere um, and get my time there if I was them. This is it, yeah. I think um, I think it's uh, even quicker than any road race that you could find, to be honest with you, mate. I don't know because I think now, now that they count, you, you, the top people turn up to them. You could put on a you could put on a road race, and you just invite everyone who wants a qualifying time. Yeah, but I don't know, I don't know. I still think Boston indoors. You know, I think you know, given you can control the weather, that's the biggest part. As yeah, well. that's true. You know, Especially that time of year. And and I remember reading a good article about the boards last year about why they're so bouncy. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um. They're like original, like wooden boards. They how they used to make tracks, and they're still the same. And basically, you get some bounce off it, and it's basically like wearing a dragonfly without a dragonfly, but then you've got a dragonfly on that board right. type yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Double, double bounce plus the fact other spikes that... are available just to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just... Plus the fact they say that it's a perfect circle, you know, um, or well, not a perfect circle, but the bends are just apparently designed to be. Uh, yeah. I think as non-limiting as possible. You know, I'm sure we, me and you are going to have this conversation in two months' time. I'm absolutely sure of it. We're going to wake up. There's going to be some nuts results coming from that Boston indoor meet, I'm sure. But one of the biggest things for me, Lum, was how well people are running off the back of an NCAA cross-country. And, you know, often people will use the same card. Me and you say all the time, they'll be like, oh, my God, like, um, 
imagine when I start doing speed work and start rocking some workouts, but you know, it's not always the case, is it? You know, in my head, I'm thinking mm, these guys have trained for a 10k cross country. They are super, super strong right now. Mm-hmm. That's why they're able two weeks later to go and run a ridiculous 5k. You know, chances are, you know, is, is Kai Robinson going to go and run 13 flat this summer? Maybe. But chances are, you know, that 13 11 is going to be pretty tough to beat. You know, is Brian Faye going to go and run 13 flat this summer? It's Charlie Wheeler. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but no, you know, you, you, you have to think about these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. I think, um, yeah, definitely that NCA race preps you well for for that. I think if you can get over the tiredness and the fatigue of that racing season, I think you're in super shape to run. Well, yeah, I, I, I just think the season as a whole. You know, obviously, we're going to plug that Rory Leonard podcast again. But when he talks about that team, you know, and let's be real, in the NCAs, you lose that team culture a little bit come track season mm. you know because not the whole team make it to nca outdoors you know um you're your fifth and sixth man for example you know unless you're nau but most teams you, you know your fifth sixth man they're, they're not making it to the 5k outdoors they're not making it to the 10k outdoors you know so they, they've stopped training you know um whereas that team culture all through those tempos everything all through the uh, you know early part of the winter just makes you so strong. And I think that's why we're seeing such quick results this time of year. But hey, we've got a shout out Gawley because that's a huge time for him. Um, and moving on, mate, uh, Valencia Marathon, like what the hell? <laughs> you know, Kipton with a debut. And it's just like... It's becoming only- it's becoming the craziest course, isn't it? Considering it's not technically a, a major. It's quicker, man. It's quicker than any major. I was having this discussion with a few guys on the long run the other day, but, you know, you're looking at it. You're thinking major marathons, London Marathon, they get five guys who are sub 205, right? They're away and gone, you know, and then they have maybe one guy who's 208, right? Mm-hmm. And then they have and a couple of Brits. And it's Brits, running, Brits yeah. running 212, you know? And then quite a few of the Brits, you know, maybe for whatever reason, they have a bad day. There's no depth. Mm. There's no de- There's no depth. You know, and I know they do a great job in pacing loads and loads of different groups at London. Sod pacing, mate. In Valencia, I saw images, you know, halfway through that race, there are people running 210 and there was an absolute massive train in a massive pack. Like, I think London gives our Brits the payday, which is good. It allows them to train. It gives them, like, the face, the publicity. But I think the time has come now. If you want to run a quick marathon, you, you go to places like Valencia. Um, well, I think I think this is where it's the drawback of it being a major that you get treated so well as an elite on that start list that they can't afford to do that for enough people. Yeah, well, and this is the well, they can afford to do it for the, the very top in terms of what they get for yeah. around the world, like when Kichogi, yeah. for example, does it. But yeah. then they give that same treatment to Brits, and rightly so. It's on home soil. It's a British event. Fair enough. Yeah, but then and you they can't do that for everyone to get enough people running like sub two hundred six. You know the crazy thing as well, you know Valencia. You know these there will be people running two two ten two hundred eight. They might get elite entry, you know, into Valencia, but they won't get any you know bells and whistles. You know, yeah, you know, they people, might get free entry and and maybe some bottles if they're lucky. People running people running two twelve at Valencia are just you're on your own, mate. You're flying out there, you're doing it doing it yourself. Um, and, and that's the crazy thing. Valencia have almost said, look, we host the event. We know it's super quick. We don't need to pay these pros £100,000 to come and race this event. They want to because they want to run, you know, 
quick times. They want to go into the record books. So, um, yeah, but you know, the, the guy who won, you know, you got, you got to start asking questions, man. 201.53 on a debut. He's 23 years old for God's sake. As soon as I saw that, I was like, what? I don't think he, apparently, um, you know, I was reading up. He hasn't finished a race of any distance since October, 2021. So he hasn't raced in over a year or finished a race in over a year. And I know there's an argument, you know, we probably race too much and stuff, but really? Mm-hmm. Weird, mate. Weird. You know, Kipchoge asked if he was worried about it. He said no. Probably knows he's going to get busted for drugs. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a bit bonkers, you know. And uh, But, you know, we can't take credit away from the event. It's an incredible event, um, you know, and it's good to see so many quick times. I have heard the, um, you know, time bonuses in contracts are not what they used to be. Apparently, they've almost been slashed by, you know, all companies. Mm. You know, when I say slashed, just like either made super, super, super difficult or, you know, just not not paying. Yeah, out. I think it's more about yeah. ranking now, which it should be anyway. Yeah. So the we... world ranking or your UK ranking for those um, yeah. like on contracts in the UK. Is, yeah. We may see a shift in that, man. But uh, but. One notable performance, mate, Sinead Diver, 45 years old, 221.34. That is, jeez, uh, I mean, it's giving us hope, mate. <laughs> yeah. After those reps earlier, I don't know about that. But... <laughs> it's giving us, it's giving us hope. We can still, we can still do it. We can still perform. Um, But now that is just credit to her, really. I mean, how you can, you know, we, we praise Kipchoge. But, you know, that's some impressive running, 221.34 for her. You know, fair play to her. Um, on the women's side, seven broke 219. On the men's side, four broke 204. So that's pretty much pretty much a wrap, mate. Yeah, that is a wrap. And obviously, you're across this weekend. Um, check out our kind of social media channels um, for the timetable. And Matt's put more into UK time, I believe, for us. So you don't have to be flapping around wondering Plus, what I, I do it for myself mate i do it for myself <laughs> i was giving you credit there i was giving you credit for you're doing it for the fans not for uh not for yourself absolutely absolutely um, but yeah thanks for listening as always um we'll catch you very soon i'm sure